This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by the Live Alcohol Experiment, a 30-day science-based and compassion-led journey where you learn to develop a healthier relationship with alcohol without relying on willpower. Why? Because the truth is that willpower runs out. Instead, you learn how to focus on what you gain, not what you give up, so you can feel good about the decisions you make without shame or guilt. With the 30 days of video training, virtual daily coaching, and a private and supportive community, you get that and so much more. Join us today to get happier, healthier, and to take back your life. Your live alcohol experiment starts on the 1st, so sign up at livealcoholexperiment.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Eric. Welcome, Eric. How are you? Hi, Annie. Great to be on with you today. Oh, great to have you. So why don't you sort of um, take us all back to the beginning? Where did, where did it all start with you with alcohol? Well, I, uh, my, my parents were young parents. So by the time I was a teenager, I had two uh, younger brothers. They were six and seven years younger than me. So I ended up with a lot of independence. And it was the mid 70s. There was a lot going on in kind of the crazy world that uh, the 70s were. And I guess I was always trying to, you know, hang out with older friends. And, you know, the, the, the time was filled with skiing and sports and cars and girls and keggers in the park and, you know, all kinds of uh, rock gut beer, you know, in keg cups. And, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to fit in, you know, so um, I just started, you know, hanging out in that environment. I, I lived in a, a suburb of Seattle that was kind of a blue uh, collar neighborhood. And uh, it was easy for me to get alcohol. I started working at a grocery store when I was 15. And so all the employees there had no problem, you know, getting it for me. And so I became that person that could get people alcohol, you know, wine, you know, champagne, whatever they wanted. And so, you know, for me, I, I didn't really like it. Um, I didn't like the taste. Um, I didn't like how, you know, you got to a certain point that a buzz turned into feeling out of control. And so I had a lot of things that kind of prevented me from fully going down the road of, of you know, getting into it, you know, full, full force. Um, when I was a sophomore, I really goofed around, didn't really apply myself. And, you know, I think I had good common sense back then to keep me out of the, the, the ills of alcohol. And, um, I really changed things around and started hanging out with a different crowd, um, applied myself to my school and, and things like that. But, you know, over time through the rest of my high school and, and college, there was still plenty of drinking going on. You know, it was just there. And I think that, you know, I, I, I kept kind of pulling myself back to apply myself to school or sports or things like that. And, um, you know, later on, I, I still had reasons to not really get involved in alcohol. My, my dad had a, a, a pretty nasty alcohol problem that started showing me the path that I didn't want to go on. And it, it, 
it was hard because I, I, I didn't like drinking, but I wanted to fit in. So I just kind of kept sticking my foot in and back out, in, out. Um, the store environment that I worked in for 10 years was, you know, a pretty alcohol infused environment. People partied after work, you know, it was, it was easy to, you know, always be drinking and things like that. And, but as, as time went on, you know, I, you know, would go long periods without drinking a drop. Um, my dad's situation, like I said, really kept me from you know, allow myself, uh, I would pull myself back. And this continued on and off, you know, probably through my 20s. Um, but then, you know, I got into my 30s, and I'd gone through a big fitness phase. And, you know, I um, had a, a young child and, and, um, you know, got remarried after a divorce. And, you know, I just started falling into a kind of a pattern you know, in my, my thirties, I, um, you know, my wife and I were very social. Um, my work was stressful. Family life was stressful. And I just started drinking a little more and more as time went on and kind of got pulled in, even though I knew that I shouldn't, it, it, it slowly over time just kind of pulled me into, this uh, phase that, uh, you know, I loved, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, fitting in with a lot of great friends and a lot of great events, you know, we had football games and, and parties and, you know, every event seemed to have alcohol. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I kept telling myself that I'm setting a much better example um, for my children than, than my dad did. And what I learned later is, is that I was setting a horrible example. You know, it was, it was not, it was not something that I ultimately accepted and was proud of. In fact, I, I ultimately, you know, didn't, didn't like myself because of that. As I got into my forties and early fifties, I, I really started to feel a lot of anxiety, you know, over my drinking. I felt guilt. I felt shame. I wanted more for myself. And what I would do a lot of times is I would just ramp up my fitness protocol so that I felt good, you know, to take care of my health issues, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. So I, I felt fitness was always my answer. And you know, that would work for six months to nine months. And then I would, you know, kind of continue to slowly ramp up my drinking, you know, whiskey Coke was, was something that I was drinking on a nightly basis as I got into my fifties. Um, and then of course I would invent, uh, reasons, you know, to, to have other types of drink, you know, if we're having Asian food, I would have sake, the Italian food, you know, you had to have red wine you know, celebration, champagne, football games, you have mimosas, you know, but later on, I realized it was just ways to justify drinking more. Yeah. Yeah. That was so, you know, when I, when I really started to, uh, you know, get into my fifties, I really, I really started struggling and, um, I knew that I was basically in trouble 
you know, deep down, I knew it, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, when you, when you come home and you want to have three or four drinks, you know, you, you start to realize the patterns are starting to really catch up to you. And, you know, I, I ultimately, you know, kind of had to go, go into the mode of doing a transformation. And this was in, um, you know, about three years ago. And at first I was thinking, you know, I would approach it the same way where it's like, oh, I'm going to do all these great things to, to help myself, you know, creativity, fitness, you know, all these things. But I, I stopped myself this time and I realized I needed to take a real inventory of myself and I needed to, you know, look at the, the, the root problems. And what I realized was, is that my relationship with alcohol was causing me huge amounts of anxiety. It was causing me to feel depressed. It was making me feel um, shameful, guilty. And, you know, it was, it was time to do something about it. So I really started searching for resources. I had gone to uh, adult children of alcoholics back um, and done a 12-step program a long time ago. And, you know, I, I, I garnered some pieces out of that, but, you know, um, when I came across your book, the first thing that I noticed right away is that, you know, within the first 10 pages, some of the things you outlined about your life were very much things that I could, you know, relate to. And, you know, I think that's very helpful when you start a journey in this is knowing that others are struggling with the same things you are. Um, but, you know, it was really your information that you gave around, you know, having a conscious mind versus the unconscious mind that really hit home for me. Mm. Um, I think I had a decent amount of conscious mind when I was younger, but I think that I had gone so far down the path of dependence that my conscious mind had been blurred to the extent that I couldn't summon it. Uh, you know, except for, you know, doing things like, um, you know, uh, justification, you know, and finding ways to justify my drinking. And, you know, uh, I, I started to apply, you know, some of the things that you put forward in, in your book. And it, I made a, a decision that I was not going to drink ever again. And, you know, here I am two and a half years later, I've really become uh, much, much healthier, much happier, much more creative. Uh, I carry your book around in my, in my car. I, I'm probably on Amazon, one of your largest buyers of the book, because I have an open invitation to anybody that I will provide them a copy of your book. And I probably have, you know, a half dozen copies here at home and, um, at work, I used to, when I worked in the office, I would, you know, hand them out freely there. And it's amazing how many people have been appreciative of, of me handing that out. So I guess that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so cool. I actually had a friend and it's, it's funny how that works is like, and you know, from your own experience that it worked, but he didn't, he didn't have a drinking story. And so, and I'm, I'm a friend. And so it's, I think it's harder to imagine that your friend is going to be able to help, right? But he's like, well, I know this one person is struggling. So he gave them a copy and then 
they reported back and then he gave someone else a copy and they, and, and he called me yesterday and he's like, okay, I'm convinced, you know, but he didn't, you know, sort of learn it on his own, but that's, that's just the coolest how it happens sort of word of mouth and like the ripple effect is what comes into my, you know, mind like that, because one person changing, not only do other people start to change in their lives, but also just the, the positive changes in every other area where your job is concerned or your health is concerned or the example you're setting is concerned. Anyway, that's just awesome. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say that, you know, the, the first year, you know, had its challenges, um, you know, aside from, you know, your, uh, you know, listening to your podcasts and I was on your app there for quite a while and, you know, just having reassurance that are people out there struggling along with you, um, you know, or at least challenging themselves along with you and seeing victories and learning from defeats, I think is an important part. And, you know, I think everybody is not going to be at a state where they're willing to, you know, finish their relationship with alcohol right off the bat. But I think, you know, just just a multitude of resources and books and and just getting getting a, a support system. You know, my family was very supportive, um, you know, even a lot of friends that I think maybe a little threatened by, you know, the, the change and, you know, maybe, you know, feeling that I was going to be somewhat judgmental in, in that, um, you know, have, have, you know, reached out and, and supported me. So I, I think that that's a, a key part to kind of making, you know, uh, an easier path to, to your commitments to, to either evaluating your relationship with alcohol or, ending your relationship with alcohol. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I wanted to kind of follow up in your story on is um, you said you just made a decision. And one of the points I like to talk about is how powerful that one big decision can be. And I think that decision needs to come from a lot of pre-work, you know, I, I feel like, it, and it's really like the nuance here is hard. So let's try to unpack this together because I think it's a worthwhile topic, but the distinction between all the many, no, I'm never drinking again decisions I made when I was then just going to go ahead and drink the next day, but like in the pain. So I was, I was making decisions in pain, waking up in pain, seeing problems in my life, being like, no, I'm on a break. I'm not drinking again. I made all of these decisions. So it's like, okay, well, so you made all, so what made that one decision different? Did you have a experience like that? Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's not something that happens. You know, I didn't read your book and then go, I'm going to stop drinking, but it was the cumulative, the cumulative feelings of uh, I would say guilt of having so many day ones. You wouldn't believe how many day ones I had. And I, I didn't want, I, I think it got to be where I just, I just didn't want that feeling any longer. And I felt that after, you know, three months of kind of doing inventory and building my, my tool set, that, that I was really ready to make that commitment. Um, and I think my prior day ones, 
I, I didn't have the I didn't have the tool set. I didn't have the mindset, and I, I just wasn't ready. You know, I wanted to keep drinking alcohol, and I think that you know because I started questioning this, you know, in my early fifties and went through these kind of ups and downs. But I think each kind of step along the way, I was I was building my my tool set. Um, but I think that until you are, are at that point, it, it's really hard um, to moderate. And the other learning was, is that I accepted the fact that I couldn't moderate. Uh, I think that's a big one. And, you know, I, I, that's a humbling experience and you uh, have to get over the shame of it. You have to get over the guilt of it and you have to then want something better for yourself. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be a better example for my children. I wanted to be a better husband. I wanted to be a better brother. And, you know, I wanted to be for myself, you know, I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to, you know, live the last third of my life, you know, doing something of meaning. Um, and I think what one question that really hit home to me is when is the party going to stop? You know, life was a party. I mean, it was, it was going from one event to another, you know, throughout the week, the weekends, you know, it was all planned out, scripted for, for a good month or two in advance. And, you know, I, I saw my dad, you know, pass away, you know, and we, we kind of had an estranged relationship, but um, I saw him pass away in 2018 and alcohol truly contributed to his, his passing. And, and I just, it was inspiration for me not to allow the last third of my life go that path. And so I think, I think it's a cumulative effect of many, many things, both internal and, you know, the ability to, you know, uh, put down your ego and seek out resources. And I know a lot of people that I've handed your book for, I know they're not ready for it now, but it was, it's just one more step in their journey. Um, the last little thing about it is, is I sat there and I looked at my last drink and it was a um, hot buttered rum. And I, I kind of laughed when I was dumping it out and it, it was my last drink. And I said, oh, you, you were really just concocting that up to have one more drink that night. And I, I knew at that moment that, that, okay, this is absurd. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I feel like it was very similar for me. Like, I mean, first of all, all of those in the moment decisions were made from a place of pain and fear and lack, but nothing had changed internally. Like I didn't have any different beliefs about alcohol. So I was making these decisions, these broad sweeping, I'm never drinking again decisions when I still believed that alcohol was the thing that was going to make my evenings fun and make my, you know, days more enjoyable and able to get through the difficult times and, you know, able to fall asleep better, able to, you know, loosen up more, all of these things. And so there was nothing behind it. And it was like, I mean, just purely willpower. It's like, okay, if I'm going to be successful yeah. here, it's going to, because I'm going to be successful at forcing myself, keyword force, to do something that like, I don't want to do at the core of me. And then the decision, the decision 
that happened. And by the way, all those little decisions, you know, one of the first things like try to help people do is what helped me is like, just try to get off that cycle of those little decisions because they're, they're so it's, I believe more toxic in a lot of ways than just allowing yourself to drink while you're learning, because it is so intense to not understand why you can't keep commitments to yourself because you don't have the visibility into the fact that the commitment is basically saying, hey, I really want this thing, but I'm gonna force myself never to do it again. Um, but then that the big decision for me was from a very different place. Like I had the knowledge, I finally had the understanding. And then what followed the knowledge was the emotion. I had the desire. Um, and it wasn't just negative emotion, like fear, like I never want to do it again. It was actually positive emotion of like hope and anticipation and what could things be like, and oh, I didn't really need this anyway, and all of those sorts of things. And so going from drinking every day to, you know, cold turkey, you know, never haven't drank since six years later, six and a half years later is like, was really, I wouldn't say effortless because there were so many different new social scenarios, I think it would have been pretty effortless if I would have, you know, been lifted out of my life and lifted out of my friend groups and all that sort of stuff. But because mentally it was quite effortless, but socially, I don't think it was effortless at all. Uh, but it was a very different, it was a decision that actually had, there's this, like, I can make a decision to fly. I have no ability to fly, right? Or I can make a decision, like I can go through all the motions and, you know, buy a plane ticket and then make a decision to fly. And then I actually have the ability. So making these decisions to do something you can't actually do as evidenced by every single time I broke that decision to myself in the past, it was just really destructive. But then that single decision was so powerful because instead of once I had, once I had the knowledge, which I had the proverbial plane ticket, it was like, okay, I could sit here and like wishy-wash about it and just create more inner, inner drama and inner, inner stress, or I could just be done. And like that became so much more attractive. And then once that decision was made, it was like all the noise faded. And it was just like, oh, like all that, am I going to, am I not going to, how much is it gonna be? What is it gonna be? Is it gonna be a hot buttered rum or a glass of yeah. wine? Like what, what is the deal? Yeah, I think uh, you you touch on a key element. You you have to have that positive um, kind of energy moving forward. Yeah. And for me, I I just had so many things that I wanted to do. And when when I was reading your book, I was surprised you said to keep drinking while you while you uh, read it. And I didn't understand that, but I did. And and then later on, I realized the reasoning behind that um, because yes, when you finally come to where you feel like you have your entire uh, tool chest and, and you know, you have that real positive energy of moving forward, um, you know, it's, it's, it's powerful. And, you know, I, I, I was so relieved, you know, after a short period of time that I didn't have to think about drinking it. I didn't have to make sure I was going to the store. I didn't have to figure out this. I didn't have to figure out that. And that just freed me up for other endeavors, kind of on a, on a mental health standpoint, you know, working on additional, you know, anxiety relievers, you know, meditation and, you know, a lot of other things that I went on and did, you know, with diet and stuff like that. It freed up my bandwidth. 
because I didn't go through the cycle of, of, you know, ramping up to drinking and then feeling the guilt and shame of drinking. And, you know, you just keep going around and around and around. And um, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a great uplifting, you know, of, of a whole bunch of baggage that I didn't need to carry any longer. I love that. That's so great. And so how was it for you socially? Well, it, it had its challenges, you know, so it was time frame was, um, you know, going into football season and we have quite the, um, uh, our, our group of people we hang out with, you know, is named the Rat Pack and, you know, football games are a big thing with the Seattle Seahawks and going to football games and the whole partying around it. Um, so that was, that was a little bit of a challenge. I just, I just knew what I needed to do when I pulled myself back some, my wife continued to participate, you know, a little more than I did, which was fine. Um, you know, I, I, I made it through 2019, you know, kind of, um, unscathed, <laughs> started to learn how to be social without, um, you know, drinking, um, and then got really almost a reprieve from, from COVID, you know, it, it extended my period of time where, where you, I didn't have to be social. Um, but you know, it, it allowed me to kind of take things at my own pace. And, um, I've had to relearn, you know, things and, um, everybody's been supportive. You know, I, I, if people want to talk about it, I talk about it. If they don't, you know, there's, there's no judgment on my part because I'm just here for, for people as, as a resource, people know that I'm, I'm not drinking and some people will talk to me about it. And I feel really good about sharing my story with anybody that wills, because, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of people that are really struggling with alcohol. And unfortunately, I think COVID has, has actually accelerated that for, for a lot of people because really, you know, people, people, you know, did kind of some of the most dangerous type of drinking, which is kind of stay at home and, you know, you know, have boredom and depression and things like that. Yeah, it is. It is literally the most dangerous type of drinking is self-medication. It changes how our bodies respond to it. And um, it's, it's really, you know, two things have happened. And I, I always try to look for the silver lining because you can really go down a deep, dark hole when you start to think about how this has impacted people and families and, and things like that. But one of the silver linings is that when you do kind of take off the brakes on your drinking, when you say, okay, I'm just going to use this. This is my tool. This is my primary tool. And by the way, then your other tools that you used to use do fall away. I mean, that's been my experience and many other people's experience. You know, I used to have like multiple things propping me up, right? I'd have exercise right. and, and I had, you know, all of these things and I took them all away. And then I was really on this one very teetery thing. And COVID has accelerated that journey in some people. And sometimes it does have to get worse before it gets better. So sometimes people have to go through that really having things, you know, kind of accelerate and realizing, Hey, this isn't working. Right. I thought I'd be so, I thought everything, and this is great. I'm working from home. I can drink at noon. Like I thought that would be great. <laughs> and then when it's not great, I, I can't tell you how many emails we get. They're like, it's, it's not great. Like, right. you know, I start drinking at noon and I'm miserable by 4 PM. Then I'm just kind of slogging through dinner and 
I can't even, uh, I fall asleep on the couch and, and, and that's when people start to look to change. But, you know, unfortunately still so many people look to change just through beating themselves up and making themselves those, those decisions in the moment and not really having the understanding or the emotion, the positive emotion. I really like how you said that, you know, whatever energy you bring to it is so vital for your success. I think that's just so important. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I would have made it through um, very well the last three years. You know, I've had some, some, you know, family um, issues with my mother and she recently passed away and, um, you know, the, the COVID situation, stressful job situation, you know, I have been just much more able to handle and actually, you know, feel like I can take on the day, any day they can throw anything they want at me now. And, you know, I just kind of stay in the moment and stay focused and take it, you know, you know, one, one hour at a time. And I don't think if I would have been drinking, I could have, I, I, I would have been a mess. I, I, I don't think that I would have been anywhere near. I think, I think things would have been pretty darn ugly because of, you know, everything that's transpired over the last three years. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And it's, it, it doesn't feel like it in the moment. Um, we have one of our, our certified coaches and he had a really unique experience where he went through the death of a parent drinking and medicating. And then he went through the death of a parent after he had stopped drinking. And he is just, he'll talk to anybody who wants to talk to him about it. He is just so grateful for that second experience and almost the redeeming experience of allowing the grief and allowing the process and allowing the pain. And he's like, I I would have never thought that I could get through it, but you know, it was such a gift to myself and to her memory to have gone through it without drinking. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was always, I was always interested in your uh, dissertation about your corporate life. Um, Corporate drinking is, is another tough one, you know, when you're out with coworkers and the expectations of celebration slash socialization and, uh, you know, COVID's, COVID's helped that one a little bit, but, you know, the, the expectations when you're in a business dinner function are 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 real and it's it's a really interesting dynamic um but i don't i don't shy away i just you know i i just come at you know the the situation with honesty and um again i always am amazed at people who will like you know kind of publicly oh you know you know, that's great because I'll say something like I'm just trying to, you know, improve my health or something like that. And uh, but then later on, maybe they'll come up to me and say, so what what made you, you know, think about this or start or do this? Mm-hmm. And then it'll start a conversation where it's amazing how many people put on that that happy face, but are struggling behind the scenes with their own issues slash, you know, relationship with alcohol and you know, I think for people who have gone down the, the road of, you know, some measure of recovery, you know, it's, it's nice to be a resource for others because it gives you inspiration to continue your own, you know, your own 
challenges because you know not drinking is always going to have challenges in my mind you know there are still moments when i will say oh you know i i, I could probably just have one glass of wine with my wife at a nice dinner and you know it's those fleeting moments that that make you realize that this is gonna i'm gonna carry this to my grave you know it's it's something that while i i know i'm not going to have that drink it, it, it never goes away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just you, I think that's a really good way to think about it is that, you know, it's something you used to do. It's uh, people you used to date come into your mind from time to time. Let's all be honest, you know, things that places you used to live, right? Yeah. Jobs yeah. you used to have. Right. There, there's no real getting around that. And, and it's worth saying because um, if we think that, we have to be realistic, I think, but I think that we can also, so much of my expectations have been exceeded um, yeah. that I'm really willing to be, you know, and I think we should be realistic. I think there's a lot of danger in trying to make something, something it's not, or to pretend something, something it's yeah. not. What funny. I find the most eye-opening of my experience is how prevalent kind of al alcohol culture is. When, when you finally kind of step back and feeling good and, and, you know, are vibrant in your life and you're, you're out there, you know, so for me, it was, you know, kind of um, midnight uh, 2019, I was really re-engaging and I was out there and all of a sudden I was like, wow, every aspect is, is permeated by this alcohol culture. Um, you know, it's, it's really shocking and you can see how your unconscious mind can become such a beast, you know, in, in able because everybody, everything and everybody out there is pretty much telling you it's okay. And that you should be doing not just that it's okay that that it's preferred and preferred, you know, at a regular basis. And yeah, so that one was kind of hard to, to, you know, you, you start to think, how am I going to exist in a culture like this? But then, then you start to kind of make your way. And, you know, again, you know, the, the positives start to hugely outweigh the fact that that's the way it is. And you, you're able to kind of stand up to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so true. I love that. Oh, so good. Well, let me, let me ask you the question that I, um, I always ask at the end, which is if you were going to go back in time and talk to Eric, who was, uh, you know, not wondering about this sort of thing and feeling like he was drinking more than he wanted to be and tell him about what life is like now, what would you say? Well, I'm doing, I'm doing all the things at um, 60 years old that I wish that I had, uh, could tell my, my 30 year old um, self to stay on the track of doing then. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, doing a podcast with my, my good buddy. Uh, I'm, um, you know, doing my work in great terms um, for myself now. Um, I'm helping other people I'm learning about a whole host of different topics and even cryptocurrency. You know, I'm, I'm just doing all these things that are just 
you know, expanding my mind and horizons. I'm writing. Um, I want to do a video podcast down the road. You know, all the things that I should have been doing in my 30s, but I'm playing catch up now. And, you know, I, I, I give myself a break that, you know, I, I succumb to social and family and, you know, uh, job issues and pressures and, and, you know, I don't feel guilt about it, but, you know, I, I, I wish I would have been doing the things that I'm doing now when I was 30 years old. I love that. I love that so much. Um, so what is, what is your podcast just in case people want to tune in? Oh, I, uh, my buddy and I have been long fans of horse racing. And uh, so we, we have a podcast called the um, Horse Racing Banter Podcast. And basically, it's just my buddy and I, you know, kind of going back and forth about, you know, all things that are related to horses and horse racing and things like that. Oh, that's so much fun. I love that so much. Yeah, we just cooked it up you know, in October. And, you know, my, my new methodology is I'm not thinking about things anymore. I'm just going to do them. Nice. Um, downloaded an easy program. They make stuff so easy and we just started doing it. And all of a sudden people started listening and they, they, they like it and we like having it, you know, as a hobby. So we do that. And that, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, we hope that we hope to do it as a travel uh, video log down the road when travel opens up, where we actually go to different parts of the world and, um, you know, <clears throat> video local um, tracks and their culture, you know, go to Hong Kong or go to Melbourne, Australia, or, you know, back to Toronto for, for something like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to dream again. Yes, that is so fun. What a fun thing. And yeah, I am such a big proponent of like, find something that gives you energy. Like there, there's something we, we lose track of that. And we think, well, there's nothing. What am I going to do if I don't drink, you know, but there's something like we're all yeah. passionate about something. We, we just have to sometimes be patient and listen for it and pay a lot of attention to the things that light us up and give us those good feelings. And then, you know, chase those and stop listening to all the silly voices in our head that are, who are you to do that? You know, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. It's so great. Well, it's so cool, Eric. It's been really a pleasure. I've, I've really loved hearing your story and having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annie. Keep up the great work. I really appreciate everything what you and your organization is doing and I'm here as a resource if for anybody who, who you know, is either listening or even your uh, organization to help out at any time. Oh, that's great. I really appreciate that. Hey, I'm so excited because we are literally just about to start another live alcohol experiment. And if you don't know about the alcohol experiment, you need to literally drop everything right now and go to livealcoholexperiment.com. Here's the thing, this is a 30 day challenge and it's designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You'll know it's that version that's living the most joyful life, that version that doesn't need alcohol to relax or have a good time, and that version that's having more fun and is more peaceful than ever. Again, it's just a 30 day challenge. It's live every single day. It's starting on the first, so hurry up, join me at livealcoholexperiment.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.